What does it look like when an artist invites you into their spirit through a portal of their own making? Today on The Cultured Podcast, we learn exactly what that looks like from textile artist and one of my new favorite people, Tammy Cannett. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world. My babies, Tammy Cannett is absolutely hands down one of the most uplifting, beautiful spirits I've had the absolute pleasure of talking to on the Cultured Podcast. And we were able to really explore her story as an artist, as a maker, as a mother, as a wife, as a Sagittarius, because <laughs> y'all know I had to ask for her zodiac sign, okay? You will understand why when you hear this conversation and you get a peek into the way Tammy thinks. And Tammy really is the inspiration behind the inspiration this week, which is improvisation. Tammy and I talked a lot about how she hates planning. And in fact, it's just not the way her mind works to plan. And I, on the other hand, am a planner. Although I can improvise quite a bit. In fact, I know you're going to be shocked, but every single week, these intros, they're improvised. They're not scripted. <laughs> I know this is shocking, <laughs> but really, truly improvisation, there's something really special about it because it takes trust. It takes courage. It takes confidence. We all have critical voices internally and externally, and it is easy to succumb to the fear of what happens if I just let myself fly off the cuff, just create without parameters, without a plan, without process. That makes me nervous. Even just saying that right now, I was like, <laughs> but also there's something really magical. There is a very special energy that you channel when you allow yourself to just experience whatever's flowing through you and put it out into the world in whatever form, whatever your form is, whether it's speaking, whether it's painting, whether it's sculpting, whether it's just having day-to-day -day conversations with people, a client call, whatever it is. There is something really special about the energy of somebody who knows how to carry themselves through confidence, through trust. Anyway, that is what is inspiring me. And so this week, in honor of Tammy Cannett, I will be improvising most of the things that I do. Unless there's a specific plan that I'd already set into motion, you know, that I can't like break the plan, right? That would be crazy. Huh, maybe I'll get a little crazy this week, okay? <laughs> Without further ado, my babies, I cannot wait for you to get to know Tammy and her incredible art form. Here we go. Let's talk to Tammy Cannell. Yeah, that was improvised. Welcome to Culture, Tammy. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you, Tammy. This is one of those that we are in our bedrooms right now. We're in the middle of COVID lockdowns. You know, you're in Australia, in Melbourne, correct? Yeah, that's right. In Melbourne, Victoria. You're in Melbourne. I'm in Atlanta. You're joining me for dinner and I'm joining you for breakfast. <laughs> We're time traveling for this interview. That's a big deal. And 
why don't you just tell us, all of our listeners, who you are and what your art form is? For a long time, I was a jewellery designer and I had a jewellery business in Melbourne called Mink, which was something I was self-taught and um, grew a nice size business. And after about 12 years, I just fell out of love with it. And then in about 2013, I decided to create an art piece for my home and went to the wool shop and started um, exploring weaving and fell in love with it and became a tapestry artist. As one does. (laughs) And not just a regular old tapestry artist, although I don't know that that exists. All tapestry art and textile art is incredible to me. Your pieces have a very particular look to them. How do you describe what your art looks like? It's interesting because I often, like, I will often spend a bit of time with a piece before it leaves home to go to someone's new home. And the thing I always... Yeah, I always like to have a little bit of time with them once they're completed. Oh, that's amazing. And what do you do? You just like rest it on a wall or something? You hang it? Well, I actually have a particular wall in my bedroom. So I put it up on there for, I don't know, a couple, you know, for a little while and just sit with it. And I always think my work's, um, my work is very intuitive, but it's really about, um, I feel that they're portals. When I'm creating them, they take me to another world And then when I feel like I stare at them, they're portals that I just want to almost go within. There's a safety within them. It's a journey. Tammy, I was literally going to say to you that they look like portals to me. Like, literally. And I, first of all, we are in your bedroom right (laughs) now-ish. So which wall is it? Is it the one you showed me where there's a piece hanging? It is. Yes! (laughs) I've seen the wall. I've seen the wall. (laughs) Well, I mean, right now there's a piece hanging there and it's simply stunning. Um, It certainly captivated my attention the second that I turned on video and there it was hanging above your head, you know, and I, that is exactly what they look like to me. I mean, they have a very organic look, uh, almost like a geode and like slicing through rock and just seeing these stunning formations or even tree rings, but they look like they're from another galaxy if they were going to be geodes or tree rings. And so it does kind of look like you could just put your hand right through that middle and, and come out of a wormhole into another space and time. And that's really powerful to hear that you feel that way about them and that you spend time with them because of that feeling. This is no simple task to be doing jewelry for 12 years and then move over to what I consider when I look at your work to be very complex textile art. I mean, it is so tactile. It is so active, if we can call it that, because, you know, it like comes to life when you look at it. So, you know, I know that that was a a hard transition for you. Will you tell us a little bit about what that was like going from 12 years of of practicing one art form and what made you sort of veer into a whole nother category? Whatever I have kind of creatively explored, I've always fallen into it. I've never started with an intention. It's really just come from my personal needs. So with the jewellery, I just had my two children and I think had one on the way and the two girls were like 
13 months apart. So it was a crazy, chaotic time. I used to walk with them in the pram and then I came across a beautiful shop that sold semi-precious stones. And I thought, oh, I need to make myself a pair of earrings. Even though I wasn't going anywhere, I just really wanted to design myself some earrings. And from that, people saw them and they're like, oh, I love them. Can you make me some? And so that's how my jewellery business grew. I've always had a thing for colour. I just love playing with colour. It fascinates me. And in gemstones and fibre, it's beautiful colours and the sky's the limit. And so there's definitely a crossover or a thread, I can use that word, between the two. <laughs> and um, I know. So, but it's, um, That's good. So, like a punny uh, moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I couldn't help, but it really is. I mean, that's a very clear thread. And so with the jewellery, that evolved and it grew and it grew and it came to a point where for me I lost the creative spirit and it became about a business. Mm. And at that time I wasn't really sure whether it was the creativity I was passionate about or it was growing a business. And I think what became clear to me that it's the creativity that makes my heart sing. It's not the business. You know, the business is beautiful but it started to lose soul. And I suddenly realised that the passion wasn't there and it was about the numbers. It was about wholesaling. It was volumes. I started producing overseas and I literally fell out of love. It was like my heart felt empty. So I had to pull away from that and sit uncomfortably for a year or so. It was really uncomfortable because a lot of people associated me with my jewellery business and it was really who I identified with or you're the jeweller. And to let that go felt like part of me had failed, but part of me knew that it just, it, it wasn't making my heart sing anymore. And I wasn't doing what it was all about. Totally. And you know what? Our identities and how we identify are such a strong part of this like ego that we all have and carry with us. And it can feel like ripping part of your skin off almost when you're trying to like part with an identity that has fueled you and that has made you feel comfortable in different ways. I think it's always interesting, you know, everybody else can say, this is great what you're doing. This is fantastic. Wow, wow, wow. And I think it's actually being true to yourself. And I mean, I think a turning point for me was, you know, when people used to come into the jewellery place and we would design beautiful pieces for them, it became, because I had to pay rent and pay staff, it didn't become about this looks beautiful on you. It became about I need you to buy this so I can pay rent. And that is just such a different mentality. And I think it made my designs, my jewellery and what I was doing not shine like it should. I think the biggest lesson I took out of that is that it is okay to walk away from something and have some uncomfortable space. In fact, it's important to. Oh my God, it's so important. You know, what I love about your story, and you mentioned this already at the beginning, was you are not a planner. You fall into things. You follow how things feel and you then give yourself to those things. That is very much the story behind how you got into textile art, which was basically, from what I read, that you wanted a piece for your home. You were redecorating. So you were like, well, I guess I'll just make it. And that was how long ago? Seven or eight years ago I did that. And it feels like it was yesterday. It has just gone so quickly. Once I started the weaving process, it's addictive. It really is. It's just seven days a week. Very rarely, unless I'm exhausted, will I have a day off. But it's it's not 
it's not work. It's like meditation. It's pleasure for me. It's curiosity. What does it feel like? Because I'm fascinated by your process. It is completely intuitive, which in other words, it's completely unplanned. What is the process of beginning a new piece look like for you? That's a really interesting question. I don't think there is a lot of process. You know, there's two areas. One is if I'm working on a commission. I always think the people who get the best work is they just let me be free. People who try and control it too much, it just doesn't really work because I think that you miss out on the spontaneity of the work. So if it's a commission, I'm a little bit more have to focus on if it's obviously a certain size or colour which the colours will never be the same because I never know what I've done. So there's no way I could ever repeat a piece. And there's so many threads of things mixed in, which is a nice thing. So someone might say, I like that piece, but they'll get something totally different. I often say to my husband, who helps me so much with my work, and and I keep repeating to him and I keep forgetting that I've repeated it, I say, for some reason, I'm just curious to make the next piece even more beautiful and even better than the last one. Like, that is just my motto with everything, every piece I make, I just want it to be more special than the one before. That's the commission part. Then there's the other part, which is when I experiment and just I call it playing. And that is just... Who knows what? It it just literally starts with I pull a a couple of spools of wool off the shelf and I just begin and there's just so many times during the process where I'm like, is this working? Is this working? And if I just trust, trust, something will happen. Are you good at the trusting part? Um, Am I good at the trusting part? Look, I think the more success I've had with it, the better I am. But yeah, I am good at the trusting part because I don't have a choice. I have to trust because I can't plan. I actually cannot plan. If I plan, I will do something totally different. So planning's a waste of time. So I have to trust. Obviously, I'm a planner, if you can't tell. (laughs) But I'm wondering at the beginning of discovering this new art form and getting acquainted with the materials and the process and the physicality of it, because, you know, it's it's a whole new physicality that you're working with, with this art form, than with jewelry making. Were you as easy to trust or were you sort of having to conquer a constant voice in your head that's like, you're doing this wrong? Once I sort of realized that I'd fallen in love with tapestry weaving. I went and did a couple of workshops at the Australian Tapestry Weaving Workshop, and I took myself right up to the masterclass. So I learned traditional tapestry weaving. And for me, that perfection of counting and having everything in the right spot was incredibly challenging. Like, I don't trust myself to do that. I trust myself more to go off the beaten track. I feel more comfortable off the beaten track. And if you're going on new territory, you can't get it wrong because there's nothing right if it's new. Ooh, Tammy, (laughs) you may have just changed my life. I'll let you know. (laughs) What's your zodiac sign? (laughs) I'm a Sagittarius. Are you? Oh, my God, Saggy. But that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So you like improvising and you talk about wanting to make the next piece more special than the last. And I'm wondering what makes a piece special in your eyes? I always come back to color. If the colors sing, if the colors 
they're really talking to each other. I think that can make a piece special. I think also um, it's when I have pushed myself to do something different and I get this almost butterflies in my stomach, like this is interesting and this is going in new territory. I think they're the things that it make a piece special. I always think of my work, I think of it sometimes as a novel. So when you start reading a book, you you know, you start the first chapter, where's this going? Where's this going? What's happening? In the middle, it might get a bit, oh, this is not so exciting. And then by the end, you're like, wow, and it starts pumping up. And that's how I feel with my work. I've had times where, you know, I've felt maybe I need to get a darkness or a shadow out of me. So I will end up not consciously making a darker piece. You know, with I made one with black and blues, which is very rare because I generally do uplifting pieces. But once I'd created that piece, it was like it was out of me and I could move on from that. It's a diary that comes in and then creating an environment and I get to go in the porthole. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty dope. <laughs> also, what I was about to say is like, it sounds like it's a portal into your emotions and experiences that are actually fairly universal, which is potentially why they're so gripping for so many of us who love your work. So talk to us about the materials that you use. Tell us about just the materials. Mm -hmm. I just want to say just on what you just said was so beautiful and I really appreciate it. And that's part of what keeps me going. Like when I hear, you know, people send me beautiful messages and if I can bring that and make people feel that. Well, I feel just so grateful and blessed that I can can share that and others can enjoy it. So thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you for putting yourself out into the world in that way, giving us portals to you. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the materials I use, I've explored with different materials, but where I'm at at the moment, I'm working a lot with um, beautiful tapestry wool. This wool that I'm working with is repurposed wool. So it's from a textile factory and they create lots of fabrics for trains and different materials for big commercial projects. And they have extra wool. So they're very generous. They send me these absolutely magnificent colours of boxes of their leftovers. So I get to repurpose it. At other times, I have worked with rope and I've worked with hessian and I've worked with silk and linen. So I work with lots of different materials, but I think at the moment my heart is with the very fine wool that I can really experiment with the colours. And, you know, one thing I love with the wool, depending on how thick you make it or what colours you put in and you knot it, and I love all the loose threads. Like the loose threads, the imperfection is just such a relief. I feel like we try and hold on so tight to everything and just letting those imperfections and loose threads go is really fun. Oh, yes, it is. It's my favorite part. I love it. I honestly, I have to just tell you like, okay, yes, we've gotten deep, but I also like want to bury my face in some of your tapestries because they are so like plush. I just (laughs) want to like, Do you know, it's really interesting because I totally agree with you. And often people ask me, can I touch it? And I do not have a problem with it. And I remember, um, I, I really don't. I mean, I, you just o- opened a Pandora's box for the next time I see, anytime I see an exhibition, I'm going to be like, she said it's okay. I'm happy with it. I, in, in the bottom of my heart, I think that is part of the experience. But I had an interesting thing happen because, I mean, I was very fortunate. I had four works that were um, commissioned and purchased by the National Gallery of Victoria, which was a huge honour and I was very proud. 
And the guys came to pick it up with these white gloves, you know, like these beautiful white gloves. And I got the giggles because I was like, okay. <laughs> like when I think what I do with it and I cut it and I'm throwing it around and I'm stepping on and here they are with the white gloves and, I'm, and carefully taking it out. And then when I saw it at the exhibition, it had, you know, in the gallery, it had this line so you couldn't touch it. And anyway, so for me, I think um, that there's nothing precious in that way. That's part of the experience. You're allowed to cuddle it. If you said, I'll be happy if you give them a cuddle. When you're working on your pieces, is that like a sacred space where your family just like can't interfere, can't interrupt? Or, or what's the environment like when you're doing your work? It's very chaotic. <laughs> Everyone's walking in and out. And um, more to the point, I torture them. And I say, oh, is this working? Is these colors work? I drive them crazy. Like I actually do. But <laughs> they've got really, they've got a great sense of color. And I really respect their fresh eyes. So no, I'm not a, I'm not a precious artist. I mean, occasionally my husband will walk in and he'll say, I think you should do this. I'm like, don't say anything, please do not say anything. And, but, you know, I love the input and I really respect my family's opinions. You've just started recently experimenting with textile and seating. I saw a stool that you made. So will you tell me a little bit about some of the thoughts going through your head and creative ideas that are starting to flourish? Yeah, that's, and that is a very, very new, that's hot off the press, that little baby. And it's such a fun little baby. I have a thing about seating. And I saw that and I was like, how's she going to do that to me? Like, how's she going to put out a stool like that? Like, how's she going to do that? Well, it's interesting. I mean, if you actually saw, <laughs> it's it's um, it's not possible to sit on at this point. It's probably more, <laughs> you could try. It's like a, a sort of a sculpture. That makes sense. <laughs> But I think it definitely has potential to be a stool. I would probably need a little bit more um, engineering. But I think the idea, again, that was just playing and just curiosity. And I feel that it's interesting to take the work into an even more three-dimensional aspect. I mean, I always try and focus on, you know, I, I'd love to move a little bit more into sculpture and art. And so that's why I have had a little play with that. And I've had a great response. And I feel that, um, I mean, those works actually, I'm looking at putting on the walls. So they will be actually three-dimensional pieces on the walls. I think what's really important, like people get comfortable with what I do, and I want to keep trying to bring new things to myself and also for others to enjoy. And how do you find the inspiration for creating those new things? Where do you find the inspiration? Where do I find it? Oh, I have a busy mind. I don't know. I look at things differently. I've always, you know, from a very young age, I kind of used language uniquely. I, you know, I always struggled in English because I think my mind doesn't work kind of straight up and down. I kind of look at things from back to front, if that makes sense. So, yeah, you're like the... <laughs> You're like Willy Wonka's elevator. <laughs> yeah, I could be, exactly. Yeah, probably not as significant, but that, that kind of potential mind. <laughs> so you want to play a little bit more with sculptural works, which is really interesting. Tell me a little bit about what's going through your head about what you want to experiment with sculpturally. I think so much of what I do is just intuitive. So I can't really articulate what the process is and where it's going. I call them aha moments. I just had an aha moment with doing the sculptures and hopefully I have some more aha moments, but I will keep pushing that particular thing and, and see what happens with it. 
you know, you've mentioned a few things that make me feel like the physicality, the actual physical movement and the motion of making your work plays a big role in your joy and the meditative factors. You know, is the physical actions that you have to take, those movements, does that actually, you know, is that something that fuels you? Absolutely. I love it. I love that. I mean, I think that's also why I often work on large pieces because I love the movement. You know, when I first started weaving, I was working on very fine, small pieces, but I've really, yeah, discovered that those big pieces, they are physical. I think they're mentally stimulating and physically stimulating. Your physicality, but also your physicality intertwined, no pun intended, (laughs) with the physicality of the wool and stretching it. Because even now you just talked about bending it, you know, and seeing like how far you can take it. And I feel like there's a bit of a dance that happens between you and the textile. Absolutely. I think there is definitely a dance. There's a rhythm, 100%. Yeah. And I think that's why it's you have to just let go, let it move and let it flow. Yeah. How long, on average, does it take you to complete a piece? It's so interesting. People often will ask me this question. I will have quite a few pieces going at one time, but I lose track of time because I'm in the zone. I have no idea. I mean, one day, I always say, one day I should just see how long a piece takes, but that would be planning. And I don't do that. I love it. You're like fully (laughs) anti-planning. Well, you know, I don't know if this is too full on, but planning makes me feel anxious. Planning to me equals anxiety, absolutely, because it creates a pressure if you plan, if you go, you know, I laugh. I'll bring a shopping list to the supermarket. Do you think I'd buy anything on that shopping list? Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, that's amazing. (laughs) No, if I bring a shopping list, I am buying everything on that shopping list, (laughs) and I'm making sure I make a tick mark next to everything I've purchased. (laughs) You know, as somebody who is... Mm, is made a bit uncomfortable by chaos. I also see the beauty in it. Like, I really appreciate it. So first of all, how many pieces usually do you have going at one time? You know, maybe two to three. I always have to have something on the loom. Like if something isn't warped up and ready to go, I just feel uncomfortable. I don't think I could go to sleep. So I always have to have my next piece ready. So I like to jump from one to the next or back and forwards. You know, it's interesting because I suppose in a way though, it's almost like controlled chaos. I always finish the pieces. I'm very efficient, but it's still kind of efficient and chaotic. Something I wanted to mention, which I listened to recently, a book called The Artist's Way. I don't know if you've heard of it by Julia Cameron. And I was actually listening to an interview with her and she talks a lot about, um, I think she calls it Nigel and Lauren. I can't remember the two names or Lawrence. And, you know, that's those two things in your brain and Nigel's going, this isn't good enough. You can't do this. Stop it. It's pathetic. And the other person, Laurel or whatever his name is, is going, no, this is good. Keep going. Come on. You've got this. I made my own versions called Nigella and Lauren. And I often really notice myself doing that. Like I give myself a really hard time and then I try and find the Lauren in me and go, it's okay, keep going. And I was going to ask if you have multiple pieces running at once so that if Nigella pops up and says, this is crap... You move on to the next piece. And maybe for the next piece, Lauren's like, no, it's fine. This one's great. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. 
You're right. That's what that hundred percent. And there's one other thing I wanted to mention, which I don't know if this is useful for your listeners, but something I wanted to share with you was when I was very young, gosh, maybe eight or something like that. I used to sit by the fire and I used to do latch hook, make pillows with latch hook. And that's like a woolen, yeah, like you kind of get this little latch hook thing and you pull the wool through these little squares. And, And I never really noticed that. I never really thought about it, but I remember just having, I feel good doing this. And since I've picked up the tapestry, I've sort of said to my mum a few times, wow, it was there. It was there from such a young age and I never saw it. And wow, I think that's really interesting. And I'm so glad I've found it now. But I think, yeah, those little seeds are there from a young age. We really do change so little in our lives. I think there are parts of us that evolve quite a bit. But I also think that there is this fundamental part of us or, or several parts of us, which is what I find so mysterious about human personality is that I certainly popped out of the womb sort of me. (laughs) And despite a lot of people trying to change me, I'm just like, I don't know. This is the only thing I know how to be. And I find that fascinating. And I also think that that's an important thing you just said, Tammy, because it shows that there are a lot of things we dismiss as folly or frivolous and could actually be something that feed us and fulfill us throughout our lives. So thank goodness you came back to that (laughs) that eight-year-old self who knew what felt good and who knew that there was a portal waiting to be created in her life. It's a good thing. Tammy, this has been so, so lovely. And just to get this portal into your spirit, into your process, into your family, into your bedroom. (laughs) It's been really, really special. And before we sign off, why don't you give us as the Cultured Crew where we can find you? Where can we go online to find out more about you and your work? Well, I have a website www.tammycannett.com and also um, as you know most of my work is on Instagram they're probably which is my handles Tammy Cannett they're the best places to find me and yeah perfect so those links as always will also be at culturedpodcast.com where you can also get a full transcript of this episode Tammy thank you again so much for sharing your time and your spirit with us Thank you for having me. It has been such a pleasure and I have just loved talking with you. Really special. Thank you. Well, there you have it, my bebes. I hope you feel as soothed in your spirit as I do after that conversation. That was just the lullaby I needed to have sweet, sweet dreams of textile portals taking me into beautiful gemstone lands. And with that, a you, a no, a what, a to, a do. A keep it classy, a keep it curious, a keep it cooked up. Visit culturedpodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our fabulous producer. Becca Godwin is our wonderful associate producer. And we're recording in Atlanta, Georgia. Georgia.